What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Table Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kenny King Jr. And this week, we're going to get into the matchup of the Raiders and the Broncos. And now, obviously, this is a longtime storied rivalry. And I brought in a guest today to talk about this rivalry in its entirety. Somebody who's been covering the Broncos for a long time. Somebody who's been a big fan of the game. Somebody who's been around the league and around the horn. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But first and foremost, let's go around some housekeeping issues. And let's get into it. The Raiders starting right tackle Trent Brown will still be out. He is still on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, He looks to be missing at least a month is what the reports are. So once again, prayers still up to Trent. Hopefully he gets better. Um, As far as COVID news goes, also linebacker Corey Littleton was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. He will not be playing this weekend against the Denver Broncos. Uh, Looks to see Nick Morrow taking his spot. Damon Arnett looks to make his return this week. His cast is off and he's ready to go. Also, cornerback Trayvon Mullen returned to practice today. Uh, His hamstring issue looks to be cleared up. Hopefully, he should be playing as well. Offensively, looks like the Raiders look to be back to full strength with their skill positions. Henry Ruggs is back. Brian Edwards looks to be back. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Booker. Everybody is healthy. Everybody's ready to go. I'm expecting and I'm hoping for a big game out of Henry Ruggs this week. He's facing his former teammate and wide receiver Jerry Judy. They were drafted right back to back. The Raiders got Ruggs. Broncos got Judy. Both teams are very happy with who they've gotten. Judy's been very productive. Ruggs has been productive. He's had some injuries, uh, but, you know, he's been productive when he's been on the field. So it'll be nice to see that matchup. I know that both of them are going to want to try to show out uh, against their former teammates. So it'll be a very interesting game to see. It'll be a fun one. Now, as we get into this game, as we talk about the matchup, as we talk about the history of the Raiders and the Broncos, who better to bring it on than my next guest? So everybody stay tuned while I bring my guest on. And I'll be right back. Joining me now, we have accomplished author, journalist, and winningest panel member on ESPN's Around the Horn. We have Mr. Woody Page. How are you doing today, sir? Great, Kitty. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to it. Look forward to the game. I've been covering uh, Broncos Raiders games since 1974, so this makes about 50 that I actually uh, not not covering this one because I won't be in Las Vegas. Uh, actually, the last time I was there was for. Uh, the Super Bowl. I'm wearing the cap today. Uh, I, I, I've seen about 40-something Super Bowls, but uh, uh, my friend at Westgate, who runs the world's largest sports pl- uh, sports book, I'll give him a plug, uh, invited me out for the last Super Bowl, so I watched it there, and he gave me a cap. So that's what I'm wearing today. Nice. Our, yeah, we have, uh, okay. I remember I've seen 40-something Super Bowls, and I remember one that featured a guy had the same name as you. Uh, would he be related to you? That is my dad, actually. That that's my. That's I my remember dad. him catching like an eighty-yard pass against the Eagles in uh, at the end of the nineteen eighty-three season in New Orleans, and uh, yeah. Raiders won the game. We I, did, and actually, funny thing well, about gonna, that is, 
Oh, good. Go ahead. Oh, so funny thing about that is I actually went to college at Temple University, and my fraternity was all Eagles fans. And so when I got there, they they were like, are you related in any, any way, shape, or form? I was like, yeah, that's my dad. And they, at first, I thought they were all going to tie me up or something like that, but they ended up being really cool. So yeah. uh, props to Eagles fans. Not all of them are bad. Yeah, I uh, I really like the way your uh, dad played. Uh, I, uh, I re- but I go back farther than that. You would have been a little kid. He was in the backfield with a guy named Billy Sims at Oklahoma, yeah. playing in the Big 12 against the uh, University of Colorado because I'm based out of Colorado. And I remember them both being in that backfield uh, when they were running the single wing or <laughs> wishbone or whatever they were doing at Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, they had that wishbone. They had, I mean, they had Billy Sims and they had Thomas Lott running quarterback. Yeah. That team, I mean, that running game was unstoppable. Billy won the Heisman that year. Um, had Billy not been the running back, my dad probably could have won the Heisman. Uh, and then they actually won the national championship that year. So that was a really good squad. Um, the funny thing about that is uh, Reggie Kinlaw, nose tackle from that Oklahoma team, was was my dad's roommate. And then they ended up being roommates with the when they when my dad got traded to the Raiders from Houston. Yeah, that, that was a great string of running backs that were at Oklahoma during that time, if I remember correctly. One of the other backups ended up with the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had a really good, really good stable there. Barry Switzer knew exactly what he was doing with, with that team. Um, but, you know, talking about anyway, this, you've been yeah. So been I covering... have great respect for your father, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. We'll talk about whatever you want to. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I really do appreciate that. It's always, it's always good to, to hear somebody who's, you know, a student of the game who's been around for a long time. I mean, you've, you've been around for a while covering the, the Broncos, 35 years is, is huge. Um, and, you know, obviously the Raider Bronco rivalry is, it's a storied rivalry. We have, you know, we've gone back and forth a lot. Um, and, you know, the Raiders have been on the losing end. Ra- Broncos have been on the losing end. We both have had our successes, um, you know, as teams go. Um, you know, looking this year, the, the roles are kind of flip-flop. The Raiders are five and three. The Broncos are three and five. Um, what should fans know about this Denver team? Because some of those losses were pretty close. They should know that, and you're right. I've been, as I said, I've, I've covered about 50 games between the two teams uh, going back to the 1970s. And it's been a storied rivalry going back to the original year uh, in 1960 when these two were originals and even though uh, the Raiders have had a rivalry with the Chiefs and the Chiefs are now on top uh, the Raiders were on top the two teams that are playing on Sunday have been in uh, 11 Super Bowls Mm -hmm. five and eight 13 Super Bowls and one uh, six so they've had their streaks where the Raiders have dominated the Broncos, and then there have been streaks where the Broncos have dominated the Raiders. It's gone back and forth, uh, yeah. 60s through the 70s, and the Raiders had a great run there, and then the Broncos came along with John Elway. Because, see, I go back to the Kenny Stabler days, even the Mad Bomber before that, yeah. uh, and, and Dave Casper and Howie Long and John Madden and that group, and then the Broncos went through – the Orange Crush, and uh, lately the no-fly zone Ra- Raiders have made a nice comeback. I really like what I'm seeing out of the Raiders lately in regard to the two teams. I'll tell you about the Broncos, but I've, I've liked Derek Carr since he came, came in the league, and I'm glad that he and John Gruden had finally gotten on the same page. I mean, there was there was some 
some rubbing of uh, like uh, two sides of the magnet rubbing there together for a while. But uh, I met uh, Derek when he was uh, uh, in the midst of having a, uh, what a, would have possibly been an MVP season when he got hurt at the end. And that really just threw the team apart and trying to put it back together since then. But specifically, you're asking about the Broncos. Young team, young team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Ruggs and Judy not go against each other, but be on field because they were drafted right after each other and Gruden even said this week that they were really interested in Judy the fear in Denver at that time and I I, I knew closely what was going on there that the Broncos were hoping that the Raiders wouldn't take uh, Judy that they'd take rugs and it ended up and, and you know this Kenny as well as I do this may be the greatest wide receiving class of all time oh, I mean definitely in the year he's having and you go through all the there were 15 drafted, I think, uh, through the first couple rounds. And there's about 20 in the league that were drafted last year. And Ruggs had that injury problem, and he's now breaking out, I believe. And Judy, the last couple of weeks, he had, just had a 125-yard game. I would say Ruggs has the greater speed. He's a speed route runner. Judy's a better route runner. I think that he's a more mature uh, wide receiver than Ruggs. But it's going to be interesting to watch those two guys because they'll play against each other two times a year for probably the next 15 years. I I think they'll be in the league that long whether they're playing against each other. Uh, End up staying with the Raiders and the Broncos. But Broncos young team, uh, a team that's got $50 million worth of talent $50 million worth of talent on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Start on Miller. Uh, and, and you go through the entire defensive line, the starters are all out with injuries. And they've had problems uh, in the defensive backfield with guys that have been either uh, affected by coronavirus or out with injuries. A.J. A. Boye. And, and, and uh, uh, I think that that's been a problem for the defense offensively. They've had problems keeping their offensive line together, but you know about that in the Ra- with the Raiders yeah. having four guys that couldn't practice one week. And and, and the Broncos are, are young. They average uh, probably in the top two, three in the league in terms of, of years. Uh, they've got a lot of 24-year-olds on that team and younger guys. Noah Font uh, better play well this weekend because they're down to only two tight ends. And they had a, they had a good uh, – room of tight ends and and uh, most of them are hurt at this point so they've been hurt at the tight end position offensive line they continue to have injury problems there uh, melvin gordon that people will remember from being with the Chargers, <laughs> was was out he's had his own personal problems getting rested drunk and driving philip lindsey's been in and out of the lineup and drew lock has been the, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the league this year so uh, when you put it up against uh, Derek Carr, I think is having, uh, since he was an MVP candidate, uh, he could end up with, what, 35, 40 touchdowns and uh, over 40,000 yards. Wait, uh, completing 70% of his passes. This is kind of the Derek Carr that everybody wanted when they were in Oakland. Now that they're in Las Vegas, uh, I, I think that uh, you're getting the guy that Gruden wanted in, in Derek Carr now. Yeah, I think Derek's getting his groove. I mean, you know, he's always been 
really consistent. He's always completed a lot of passes. But I think that w- one of the things that I've seen this year is that he's really gained that leadership role and that confidence as a field general. Um, I'm excited to see what Carr does. Um, you know, Drew Locke, you talked about, you know, his inconsistency. And I've seen some mixed feelings in the media a little bit. Some people are really high on Drew Locke. Some people are, you know, so-so on Drew Locke. Where, where do you feel on, uh, on Locke? It's like calling an election. It's a <laughs> Just stop the count. Now. I'm not really, I, that's actually the truth. I mean, he, he came on at the end of last year when he got over his injury and played extremely well down the stretch. Then he came into this season, got hurt again. So, I mean, do you have a guy that's going to constantly get hurt and right. available? Do you have a guy that uh, in the fourth quarter of the last two games has played lights out and they beat the Chargers? And he played lights out in the fourth quarter against the Falcons, and they came up one touchdown uh, short. John Elway, who everybody with the Raiders is familiar with from when he actually used to play uh, 30 times, if I remember correctly. Actually, I think it was 31 times. Uh, a couple of years. So uh, everybody's familiar with John Elway. He's been trying to find another John Elway. Well, that's been a problem for him because it's very difficult for there to be another John Elway, another Peyton Manning. Uh, It was like the the Raiders trying to find another quarterback. It was like Daryl LaMonica or Kenny Stabler or Jim Plunkett, if you will. I think that that the jury is, here's an old cliche, but I'm old. 74, this cliche is older than that, but the jury's still out on him. I mean, you start him the rest of the year, you find out about him. He has got uh, swagger. He's got confidence, whichever word you want to use. He plays extremely well, but he comes out in the first – everybody who's been watching this game, and I'm sure uh, your listeners are going to be tuned into this game, look and see how he plays in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. He's been terrible in the first quarter been terrible in the first half, but then he seems to come alive uh, midway through the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. They've got to get it started early, Kenny. Here's what I believe. You didn't ask me to predict the game, but (laughs) this could be high scoring. It's what I feel like. You've got an inconsistent defense in Las Vegas. You know that. Everybody knows that. Very inconsistent, up and down. The Broncos have a very good defense, but – Against the run, not so much. And you got a running back that's going to rush for 1,200 yards, I would think, this year. And Josh, and you got uh, Devontae Booker, who's a nice fill-in that the Broncos got rid of, and I'm sure he wants some kind of revenge about the fact they just got rid of Austin aside. I, I'm looking for a game that will be in the 30s for both teams. That's what I'm feeling is that both teams will be – that Drew Locke will have a good game, I think he'll be more consistent. They're going to be concentrating on the first quarter and the second quarter. They only average three points uh, a qu- a first quarter throughout the season. I think they're going to uh, come out. I'm going to give you a prediction. I think they're going to come out in a hurry-up kind of offense. Uh, I think they'll play well because they're not playing on the East Coast because these AFC West teams go over to the East Coast and can't do anything when they get over there because they're starting it so early in the morning. Yeah. Oh, and I think because of your running game with the Raiders, with Carr having a good year, 
that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I just don't think the defenses can keep up. And, and, and players, you know this, players faster on that kind of goofy turf that you have that goes in and out of the stadium. So they were playing on the artificial turf that UNLV plays on. I think you'd have a real uh, roller coaster ride kind of uh, track meet. But I still see it being in the 30s, and the Raiders are in a good position to get back in the playoffs, and I look for the Raiders to win. But coming back to you asking me about the Broncos, uh, it's a team in transition, which it has been. had been in the playoffs since the Super Bowl and Peyton Manning, and they've now got the talent at wide receiver. They've got a, they've got a core of wide receivers. They've got talent at tight end. They've got some young talent in the offensive line. They've got a couple of running backs that are – quality. Melvin Gordon has been a, uh, been a pro bowler, so has Philip Lindsay for a couple of years. And uh, Vic Fangio's a defensive coach, and he's put together a good defense here. So mm-hmm. it's a team that uh, this year finishes 7-9, uh, and nine, uh, third, because the Chargers can't win a game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the Raiders are a team, particularly if they go to eight teams, even if it's seven teams, the Raiders are going to be in the top seven. I see them winning ten games. If I had to forecast what will end up, they've got you know the schedule's uh, not overwhelming for the Raiders the rest of the year. I think they're getting accustomed to playing in the Death Star. I think they're one and two, but uh, they did beat the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City, so it's a team that can win on the road. So. Yeah. I- it's gonna be a, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's a four-and-a-half-point spread right now. Uh, I think that's about right that I could see the Raiders uh, winning 35-32 to 32 or something like that, 35-30. to 30. It's something on that. But it will be interesting, I think, for Raiders fans, and I assume that's your predominant crowd, will get to see for themselves what Drew Locke's all about. They'll get to see whether these young players for the Broncos – They've had so many injuries, though, so many people in injured reserve. Uh, they're, they're not going anywhere this year. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of Drew Locke. You know, last year we we lost to the Broncos. Um, 16 to 15, game. I think. 16 yeah. to 15. A couple, couple ticky-tack calls, touchdowns that, caught, that didn't get called, didn't get called back. Derek actually had one of his best cold weather games with almost 400 yards. Can you get over it? Okay, get over it, Gibby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a Raider fan. We, that's what we do. We can Sure, well, that, yeah, but they're ticky-tack calls, and, you know, I look at exactly. everything objectively. Exactly. They're ticky-tack calls in every game. They're bad calls by the officials. Always, always. Um, I mean, nothing's, so, you know, that's yeah. over with. You know, don't live in the past. Uh, we're not of course not. In the future. <laughs> but speaking of the future, what are some what are some key matchups this game? You know, obviously um, Von Miller's out, um, so the the Von Miller versus Trent Brown because Trent Brown's out, so that's going to be out. Uh, what are some key matchups that you're looking at this week? Well, keep an eye on a couple of guys. I would say uh, AJ Johnson is is a linebacker that I really like, and he got into he had a sexual assault charge at Tennessee. And so his, his, his career got sidelined. He wasn't a number one draft choice. He ended up being, you know, an undrafted free agent once he was cleared on that. And I really like him. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's like a, he's a, he's an old Raider kind of guy. You know, he hits hard. Uh, Kareem Jackson, when you talk about matchups, so Johnson, whether or not he can actually uh, stop Josh, you know, the, he, 
whether he can get to the quarterback because they're missing Bob Miller. Uh, you got to be uh, aware of Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's a name that yeah. people around the league should be aware of. He not only is a great sack master, he picks up about three personal fouls a game. So <laughs> I remember Raiders being like that. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is going to get called for roughing the passer a couple of times during the course of the game. So those two guys I'd look for kind of up front. Uh, the, I, I think, uh, you know, Ruggs is going to go up against uh, a couple of rookie. Uh, they, they've got uh, A.J. Boye is coming back, but they've been playing a lot of uh, uh, snaps with two rookie cornerbacks, Moutier. Right. And and so, if the Raiders can get rugs uh, in a one-on-one matchup, I think that's gonna that's gonna be a great matchup to see him against uh, a couple of those young cornerbacks of, of the Broncos. I think it's gonna be whether or not the Raiders can put some pressure on Drew Lock. He likes to roll out, so watch him. If he gets outside, he's more effective actually throwing on the run than he is from the pocket. Right. So, uh, and he also can, you know, he scored a touchdown on a, on a nice run last week. So in terms of matchup, if uh, Philip Lindsay had a couple of 100-yard games, whether you can stop him, Melvin Gordon, it's not – he fumbles the ball a lot. He did in San Diego. Yep. He did briefly in Los Angeles. He – he has a fumble-itis kind of <laughs> mentality. So I think if, if the Raiders can stop the running game, which the Falcons were able to do last week, they'll be successful against the Broncos, and whether or not Drew Locke comes out early. So that's kind of uh, – Garrett Bowles, who uh, is not a name that most of your people will be familiar with. He's been a disappointment, a first-round draft pick, Raiders have had some of those guys over the years to tackle and get a center. Just that, a couple, just a couple of them. Yeah. And uh, Garrett Bowles was a total disappointment, but they just picked the, I think it was ESPN, just picked the midseason all pro team. And Garrett Bowles was picked on it as left tackle. He's been a holding machine for his first three years. They didn't even pick up his uh, fifth year. So if you see Garrett Bowles against the Raiders rush, that's, that's uh, an, going to be another aspect of, of, of whether or not uh, that your young guys defensively can take on Garrett Bowles and win that battle or whether Garrett Bowles can continue to play as well. He's been their highest rated pro, pro football focus has given him one of the highest ratings in the league as a left tackle. So, Yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have Max Crosby on Garrett Bowles. And I know that last season, uh, you know, obviously – Crosby had a little had a little fun with it, um, but yeah, Bowles is playing pretty well this season. So you know, uh, it'll be very interesting to see that matchup. I know the Raiders have had some issues uh, getting to the quarterback. They do a little bit better in divisional games. We saw it a little bit in KC. We saw it last week in LA, um, and hopefully we see it again in. Yeah, in, yeah you in, can't in count Las Vegas against You can't count. Um, you can't put the Chargers. You know, switching gears you a little bit. You can't put the Chargers uh, in this. I, I saw something about Invesco Field in Mile High, and I, I saw that they had an interesting nickname. Do you care to share on that? Oh, well, it's, they're no longer Invesco. Invesco was a bad thing. I, I guess what you're talking about is uh, 
It was uh, at one time named for a woman's contraceptive, <laughs> <laughs> the diaphragm. And that wasn't me. I didn't give it. That was the people. Right. Uh, the story, very briefly, it's kind of funny, is that uh, uh, Invesco was a, 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 an operation, a corporation from, from England. And I never liked it. Mount High Stadium. It's, mm-hmm. it's like when Oakland Alameda Coliseum started being named after a box company and OOO.com stadium names. I don't like those names. I like Yankee Stadium. I like Fenway Park. Yeah, I like Wrigley Field, even though it's named for a company. And I liked uh, I liked Oakland Alameda Coliseum or Mausoleum or whatever name it. <laughs> That's why I kind of like the Death Star a lot. Yeah. And Mile High Stadium was a was a name with some balls on it. Mile High Stadium, and so they started selling the naming rights, and they went through Invesco. And they went through, they've gone through two others, but I still call it Mile High Stadium. And Invesco came in, and I was walking, I was at a, a, a Mexican restaurant that my ex-girlfriend uh, was a PR director for. And she asked me to show up for the grand opening. And I said, I'll come by, say hello to the owner. And uh, I was there for about 15 minutes, and I walked outside. And a guy came down the street, and he said hello to my ex-girlfriend. And she said, me, what do you page? And he had, you know, I'm not, my ego is not important, but I can tell he didn't know who I was. He had no idea. And uh, she said, he works for Invesco. And I went, you don't want to talk to me because <laughs> I hate that name. <laughs> and uh, I said, I hate the name. It's terrible. He still has no idea that I'm on ESPN or writing That's funny. Denver newspaper or anything. And he said, oh, we hate the name too. I said, what do you do over there? He said, I'm the executive vice president. He said, we call it the diaphragm. <laughs> and my ex-girlfriend said, you shouldn't be telling him that. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you know, and he was trying to impress her. He didn't care about me. He was trying to pick up my ex-girlfriend, which is fine. We weren't together. Uh, but I could tell he'd been out for happy hour. And he was a little tipsy. And so uh, I checked around and I found out that the employees are hated that they spent so much money on the naming rights. And they were calling it the diaphragm because it supposedly looked like a women's birth control device. <laughs> and so I put it in a column and Invesco sued me. Uh, say, they said, I made that up. And they did an investigation um, and found out that I didn't make it up. <laughs> and they fired the guy as a result. Of it. And, but they had to live with that nickname. And it wasn't me, it was other people saying, yeah, he's kind of right. It looks like uh, a diaphragm. So then they went ba- they went bankrupt. And then along came another company that went bankrupt. And now there's a, a new company uh, that whose name I won't mention because I, I call it Mount High Stadium. That's what it is. Just like o- Oakland Alameda Coliseum to me was the Raiders. Now you've got the name on it uh, that I don't even know what that company is. But I like that Mark Davis has sort of adopted the Death Star, even though, as you well know, you're young enough, Death Star got destroyed several times right. in Star Wars. <laughs> well, so it's, it's, it's now, it's Allegiant Stadium. Um, you know, yeah. some, Raider, some Raider Nation calls it uh, the Death Star. Some of them, some of us call it the Al, you know, short for Allegiant, but also for Al Davis. 
Uh, and then huh? there's always uh, my favorite. I like that. And then yeah, there's my like favorite. That. We call it the Roomba. We call it the Roomba. Yeah. And it, I, when I was there for the uh, Super Bowl, uh, I went over and, and uh, took a kind of a tour. Uh, so that would have been last February. And it, it's, to me, it's, a, you know, I, I'm happy Las Vegas is involved. I think the hockey yeah. represented the city really well. I think uh, Las Vegas will get a major league baseball franchise, and I think the uh, I think the football team is uh, back and on the way up. As opposed, and I'm saying now, honestly, I, I obviously I think after this Sunday game, the the Raiders would be six and three. They're not going to win the division, but they'll get a wild card. And especially if if there are some more cancellations, there'll be eight teams, and yeah. I think the Raiders will. Be and as I said, in the top seven, but definitely, you, yeah, you'll be a wild card. So. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. For it. Uh, John Madden was a close friend of mine, and it was funny. Al Davis and I used to, uh, when Al was late in his life, and I was out there, and I was standing outside the Coliseum, and he pulled up in his white limousine, and he got out of the car, and I was just standing there, and I said, and he was late in his life, and I said, uh, "How you doing, Al?" And he said, you're still an asshole. <laughs> Even though he was late in his life, because we, Al Davis, for people out there, Al Davis never sat in the owner's box right. on the road. He would sit in the press box right behind me. And so I'd stand up when there was a big play. <laughs> and he'd go, sit down, asshole. <laughs> and so, uh, he and Al Locasal, who was his executive assistant for years, uh, we had run-ins uh, going back to 77 when the Broncos actually became a team and went for a Super Bowl and beat the Raiders uh, in the AFC Championship. That was when the, when the rivalry really became a rivalry because up to that time, the Raiders had dominated. The Raiders still have won 65 games. Do you know what game number this is? I'm going to tell you. 22. 122nd. Uh, it's the uh, second oldest rivalry in the uh, old AFC teams. Uh, are, um, so. Uh, so the stadium names don't matter, locations don't. I'm going to ask you a trivia question. You're not. Go ahead. Did uh, Allegiant Field Stadium, what is Allegiant? Is that an insurance company or something? I don't even know. It's what an it is. airline. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's an I've airline. heard of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a it's like a spirit yeah. or a frontier where yeah. Uh, yeah. you can get cheap flights. But yeah, it's a lot of, gets a lot of complaints. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean it's like the Raiders. We get a lot of complaints. Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna tell you this is the 122nd game. How many places, including exhibition games, how many different locations have the Broncos and the Raiders played at? Uh Let's see. Just take a guess. I'm going to say five. This is the 13th place Ooh. coming up Sunday. They used to play exhibition games in Portland, Oregon, Nebraska, Stockton, California, Sacramento, California. They played once in Barcelona, Spain, an exhibition game. Oh, wow. They played uh, at Frank Yule Field in Oakland. Frank Yule was a was an undertaker. There was a big uh, Raiders fan that uh, put up the money for a stadium in Oakland that they played in. Yeah. 
they played at Candlestick Park in the old days. They uh, Broncos played at Bear Stadium, which became Mile High Stadium, which has become the new stadium. Uh, they they played in a lot of different locations. Los Angeles, when the Raiders moved to the Coliseum. Yeah. And so uh, this will be the 13th different place these two teams have played since 1960. Tell that to your friends. Try that in a bar. Because most <laughs> people will be like you, that they think, oh, four or five places. Yeah, I had no idea all that. I mean, I knew I knew Frank Ewell. I knew uh, I knew Candlestick. I knew obviously the Coliseum, my high, but I didn't know about the other the other locations. So that's Here, here's my that's point. Actually... They, the teams, uh, the Broncos and the Raiders, played in front of ninety thousand a couple of times in the LA Coliseum. They actually sold out the place. Uh, they played in front of seventy five thousand here. And they played sixty thousand in Oakland, but they also in the early days played before five thousand. 6,000, 7,000 in the early days. But this will be the first time they're playing in front of like 50 people. <laughs> I know. I, I, I still can't wrap my head around this. I mean, everything has been so weird. We, we have a brand new stadium inauguration and nobody can go to the games. But, yeah. you know, obviously the, the health and safety of, of fans and, and the players and everybody around is obviously. Well, yeah, wonderful. it's sad because uh, the Broncos would uh, – would probably have sent 25,000 fans if they could get yeah. under normal circumstances to go to, go to Las Vegas. I mean, everybody w- wants to come to Las Vegas. It's, exactly. No offense. Nobody wanted to go to Oakland from other places. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they want to go to San, they wanted to go to San Diego when the Chargers were in San Diego. Right. They went to Los Angeles. But I think, uh, and I even thought that because when I was there for the Super Bowl, this was right before the coronavirus took off. Yeah. And I felt like, oh gosh, I'm looking forward to the Broncos Raiders game. I thought it would be a Monday night game uh, yeah. because of the rivalry and because uh, uh, of the new stadium. So, but I think it's, uh, as I said, it's, it's going to be a good game because the Broncos have to win this. If the Broncos don't win this, they're finished for the season. That's the end of it. They, they can't, they got the Saints. They got to go to Kansas City. They got the Dolphins, suddenly a playoff type team. Yeah, the Dolphins look good. Uh, they got to play the Chargers again. Uh, they got to play the Raiders again at the end of the season. I don't think that game will mean anything because I think the Raiders will have clinched the playoff spot and the Broncos will be out of it. So that was a game I was looking forward to when the season started because I thought they would both be on the cusp of that that game could decide a playoff team. I think this this game, if the Raiders can win it, the Raiders are in, and the Broncos are definitely out. Yeah, I think the the only thing I look forward to with that Bronco game at the end of the year is that you can actually have fans there. So I was thinking about making the trip. Well, <laughs> not many, seven thousand. Yeah, I don't know if you you probably haven't seen a game, but the people that are listening to you are not aware of this. But every place has cutouts, you know, fan cutouts. Right. The Broncos have thirty five hundred. Uh, cutouts from South Park characters. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. So that's their big. That's a big fan base is South Park characters. Yeah, I actually I lived in Colorado for for a couple of years, um, and so my brother and sister are still out there. They live in. They live in. My sister lives in Denver, um, so oh. we, whenever I go out there, we go and, and get wings at Piper Inn. So that's one of the things that I'm looking oh. forward to more than anything. There's good Chinese food at that place too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's you. That's the best wings in town. Piper's in. And people, I agree. This is a side story you wouldn't know, but 
my friend owns Piper Inn for people listening to the show. It's, it's a dive bar. It's a motorcycle bar. <laughs> That's what it is. But people say, why is it noted for having great wings and Chinese food? Because the guy wanted a wings place, but the chef he hired, the cook he hired, is Asian American. Oh, wow. And so he wanted to cook Chinese food. So yeah. they said, you can cook Chinese food, but you got to cook great wings too. It's got to make wings. Uh, sesame chicken and Mongolian beef and wings. Yes. <laughs> and listen to the jukebox. Yep. Yeah, I love that place. We've been going for years. But, but Woody, I really wanted to thank you for, for coming on, uh, taking the time out of your day. I know that we had some technical difficulties coming in. Always no problem. It was a pleasure to meet you because uh, I'm, so, I'm 74. I'm still working. I, I told you uh, when you invited me to come on the show, I have six jobs. I, I do around the horn in my 18th year. We just had our 18th anniversary. And uh, uh, Denver, newspaper, Denver and Colorado Springs newspapers. I have a website I'd like to promote is woodypage.com. Yeah. You can go there and read my columns. I write books and uh, I host two podcasts. So if people want to listen to my podcast, it's called Unmutable. And I also just started a new podcast. I'd like for you to get you and your friends to come on. We're doing the great uh, sports trivia challenge. And we bring four friends on and they compete against each other for prizes. And it's oh, wow. a lot of trash talking, stuff like that. And we do, and it's pretty easy trivia. It's sort of like Jeopardy in that sense. But uh, anyway, I do a bunch of different things, and I'm still having fun at it, and I still look forward to every year. I mean, I've seen blowouts of 48 to 10 on the Raiders side and on the Broncos side. When Peyton Manning was here, they blew out the Raiders 42 to 14 or something like that. So I look forward to the game. I think it, I think it could be a 40-point game, but I think both teams might score 40 points. I think, I'm looking for a big blowout, kind of not blowout of the Raiders against the Broncos or the Broncos. I think there's blowout in terms of scoring that I think yeah. both teams score a lot. But I wish you well with it, and uh, it's always great for me when I'm meeting the sons of guys that I covered uh, in other generations, and it's, it's, it's been fun talking to you. It's been a lot of fun talking to you and I, you know, I've been a big fan of your work for a number of years and uh, really appreciate you coming on today and look forward to a good game on Sunday and look forward to coming on your pod soon. Stay safe. Take care everybody out there. All right. You too. Thank you. Thank you everybody for tuning in once again to the training table podcast. Love putting out this content for you guys. If you are listening on Apple podcasts, make sure you go ahead and leave a five star rating and also leave a review I love to see that. I'd love to see the feedback from the listeners and also share it with somebody. You never know who might want to listen. Until next week, I'll see you.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.